I'm here in Rio de Janeiro for a special edition of the Observers Direct. We have lots of observers here in Rio, and three of them are going to tell us what they do. Rio de Janeiro, one of the most spectacular cities in the world, but also one of the most unequal. It's nearly seven million people divided between the asphalto of the low-lying areas and the Moro, the hills that are home to the city's impoverished favelas. The beach is one space that's open to all, but Rio's reputation for tolerance and mixing could be facing a threat, with a new president who has said he'd rather his son be dead than gay, and a new state governor who wants police in the favelas to shoot to kill. We're going to see how our three observers are doing. Marcelo Farias, Monica Sin Albuquerque, Wesclo Vasconcelos. Rio's poorest residents live in unregulated settlements known as favelas, home to at least 1.5 million people, about a fifth of the population. While many are peaceful, others are run by drug gangs, militias, and since 2008, a special police force known as the Proximity Police. Complexo de Alemão is one of the worst. Monarchy used to live there, but got out and now runs a free physical therapy clinic nearby. She opened it after working with patients from the favela for 12 years, with help from her husband, a retired police officer. This is the treatment area. I see patients suffering from all kinds of neurological disorders. Though her husband was killed in a robbery in 2016, just one month before the clinic opened, she was determined to keep treating the illnesses she saw in the favela. I see cases of microcephaly, cerebral palsy, autistic people with brain damage, and lots of stroke victims. She believes stress is a major contributor. When he was born, we lived in the upper part of the favela. We heard gunfire all the time. We'd find bullets on the veranda. Monica says the malady she treats the most is pediatric strokes in kids of all ages, even babies. The worst thing is that because the kids are so young, doctors often don't even diagnose it as a stroke. That's Jamini. She had a stroke when she was four. Emerson, who had a stroke when he was 14, was supposed to come in today. He couldn't make it. There's shooting where he lives. There are no scientific studies on stress in the favelas and any link to juvenile strokes. Monica has the data and the patients, but running a busy clinic with an all-volunteer staff leaves her no time. No research means no study. And no study means no funding for children she believes have a specific problem that has a direct impact on their health. Monica asks El Simar, one of her volunteers, to take us to see the Complexo de Alemão. We stay on the edge of the favela, close to the headquarters of the proximity police. This is all the Complexo de Alemão. There are parts to the north and more neighborhoods over on the other side. What are some of the causes of stress in this neighborhood? The biggest problem is the shooting, the war between the police and the gangs. Anyone can get hit by a stray bullet at any time. Who has killed more people, the police or the gangs? 
the police because they come into the favela already shooting. The new governor of Rio State wants a shoot-to-kill policy. The police are using snipers to shoot from helicopters on people living below. The governor says kill, so the cops kill. Wescla is going to a meeting in Lapa, known for its music, nightlife, and counterculture. How are you? Bravo for the work you're doing. All of them except Manuela are nordestinos from the northeast, Brazil's poorest region. They're meeting to set up a cultural group. The northeast is the region of Brazil where they kill the most LGBT people. I came to Rio because I wanted to survive. Lapa's a bohemian neighborhood. There are lots of transvestites and transsexuals. They're not prostitutes, just people who live here, who go to the supermarket. But the climate has been changing since the emergence of Jair Bolsonaro, Brazil's proudly homophobic new president. When people try to use my sexuality as a weapon against me, I don't like it. Ralph, a trans man, fought about it with his father. It was pretty rough. We yelled. We almost hit each other. During the campaign, and between the two rounds of voting, there was a lot of violence against LGBT people. People used to have those thoughts before, of course, but they kept them hidden. Bolsonaro made it seem okay to be a bigot. The day before the election, a trans performer was assaulted in a Rio suburb by men saying Bolsonaro would get trash like her off the street. The National LGBT Alliance recorded 15 similar attacks around the country over the next three days. And in January, João Willis, one of Brazil's few openly gay MPs, fled the country after receiving death threats. Trans women in Brazil have long been marginalized. Underrepresented in universities, they have a hard time getting good jobs. Wescla wants to change that. She's doing a master's in education at the top-rated Fluminense Federal University. People have been very welcoming. They're getting used to seeing transgender people occupying the public space more and more. Wescla grew up in a small town in the northeast as a boy. She came out to the town when she was just 10 years old by showing up for a religious holiday in a dress. I got dressed at a friend's house. When I came out, I saw my father standing at the corner. I was trembling with fear. But at the same time, I was proud. She found the courage, she says, because she wanted to educate people. I went all through high school dressed as a woman, long hair, lipstick, women's clothing. She graduated from high school two years early, and at 16, she signed up for a BA in science education. She's now going for a master's. I want to be the first trans university professor trained at UFFI. I'm crazy about education because it's education that transforms people.
Rio is famous for its beaches, Copacabana, Ipanema, but not San Conrado, further down the coast. Though it's got some of the most expensive real estate in Latin America, it's down the hill from Brazil's biggest favela, Rocinha, and has a problem with trash. Marcelo, who's from the favela, wants to change that. I've surfed here since I was a kid. We used to have one of the best waves in Rio, in all of Brazil. But because of the sanitation work they did down there, it changed the shape of the beach and it destroyed our wave. Marcelo's talking about a covered drain that was built in 2002. When it rained, raw sewage and trash used to come down from Rocinha, right to the middle of the beach. They wanted to divert it, so it would come out further up the beach. Marcelo is on the beach every day. Always with the same message, save San Corrado, the group he founded with friends in 2012. We've trained our citizens well. Look at this guy. He's sorting his trash. He documents what he finds on Facebook and Instagram. That was horrible. A dead dolphin, right there on the beach. This was a turtle, same story. All because of the trash. There's too much plastic out there. It's killing the animals. Today, his group has organized a cleanup. They venture out onto the rocks beyond the beach. So is this where the drains come out? Yeah, the rubbish comes out here, then the current pushes it onto the rocks and it gets stuck down there. Many of the volunteers are like Marcelo from the favela. We all know Marcelo. He's the one who gets us out here. He inspires us. The kids are helping him clean hard-to-reach crevices in the rocks. We're the only ones who get down here to clean up. The volunteers haul the trash back to the beach and sort it for recycling. We've picked up at least 700 bottles, maybe a thousand. Lots of other plastic too. Most of it comes from Rocinha. Rocinha is just a short walk away. It's home to at least 100,000 people. No one knows just how many. While the city picks up trash at the base of the favela, the garbage trucks don't reach the twisting, turning streets higher up the slope. This is where the trash and sewage washes down to, from up in the rest of the favela. People in Rocinha deserve to have proper sanitation. So the sewage isn't out in the open like this. We get nothing here. No water treatment, no infrastructure, no decent housing. And we pay taxes like everyone else. Marcelo ends the day at the top of the favela, helping give out food to local families. He doesn't think the new government, with its emphasis on security and tough policing, is going to help Rocinha clean up. People in the favelas have to look after their own neighborhoods. It's critical, but they need help from outside to put in proper sanitation. It's the only way. That's it for this special edition of the Observers Direct from Rio de Janeiro. A huge thanks to our observers. 
Thanks to France 24 for coming to see us. Maybe we'll come see you for the next Observers Direct. So get in touch with our team. Our contact details are right there on the screen. I'll see you next time. 35 years ago, President Felix Ufredwani moved the capital city of Ivory Coast to Yamusukru, his native village. Huge construction sites were set up to transform the ancient village into a modern city. An international airport was built, a polytechnical institute, a presidential palace, and even one of the world's largest churches. But the planned transfer of institutions never happened, and very few people ever moved there. France 24 offers you a tour of the abandoned capital city. Inside one of the world's most unknown capital cities, all this week on France 24.